Are you familiar with the four primary ideas of Al-Anon? Welcome to episode 389 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Sarah, Louise, Marianne, Nancy, Patricia, and Greg. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Sarah, Louise, Marianne, Nancy, Patricia, and Greg, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer. I am your host today. Our reading today comes from the Al-Anon Service Manual, 2022 to 2025, on page 20, section titled The Four Primary Ideas. The 12 steps suggest acceptance of four primary ideas. We are powerless over the problem of alcoholism. When we can honestly accept this truth, it brings us a feeling of release and hope. We can now turn our full attention to bringing our lives into order. We can go forward to spiritual growth, to the comfort and peace to be gained from the entire program. Two, we can turn our lives over to a power greater than ourselves. Now that our well-meant aid to the alcoholic has ended in failure and our own lives have become unmanageable, we realize we cannot deal with our problem objectively, perhaps not even sanely. In Al-Anon, we find a power greater than ourselves which can direct our lives into quiet, useful channels. At first, this power may seem to be the group, but as we grow in knowledge and spiritual understanding, many of us call it God as we understand Him. 3. We need to change both our attitude and our actions. As we become willing to admit our defects, we begin to see how much of our thinking is distorted. We realize how unwise some of our actions have been, how unloving many of our attitudes. We try to recognize and correct these faults. And 4. We keep Al-Anon's gifts by sharing them with others. This sharing makes Al-Anon the vital forward-reaching fellowship it is. Our great obligation is to those still in need. Leading another person from despair to hope and love brings comfort to both the giver and receiver. I had not, to my knowledge, seen these before. I was at the Michigan Area Assembly a couple of weeks ago, and we looked at these briefly as part of our investigation of a dive into the new Elanon Alateen Service Manual. And this is in the section of optional readings for opening meetings. None of the meetings that I've been to, as far as I know, ever read these. Maybe you're more familiar with them than I am, because your meeting reads them every time. So I thought I would take a little bit of time to explore these four principles, these four primary ideas, as they have applied in my life and my recovery. First one says, We are powerless over the problem of alcoholism. For me, that is what got me here, was finally admitting, at least briefly, my powerlessness. I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating. I was at a treatment center where my wife had been admitted to inpatient care for detox and a little bit of rehab. I guess it was probably more of a detox than a rehab because it was only several days. It wasn't like a 30-day program or anything. I was attending the Friends and Family Day presentations 
as I had done before at other outpatient programs, this was now inpatient, one of the counselors or whatever they were for the program said, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. And those words just pierced me. Those words were so powerful to me in that moment, and I felt a weight come off of me that I hadn't known I was carrying, the weight of trying to fix her disease. I had heard about Al-Anon. I had thought it was not for me, but when I, in that moment, accepted that I was powerless, that I couldn't control it, that I couldn't cure it, then I knew that I needed help, and I thought, let's try this Al-Anon thing. So this at least brief understanding that I was powerless over alcoholism brought me to the program. That initial acceptance didn't last forever, of course. Over time, I tried to take back power. And as has happened, as my higher power is giving me these lessons, I was led to understand the fruitlessness of these efforts to retain power, to regain power that I never really had, of course. I think the the thing that really drove it home for me was I had been in Elanon not quite a year. My wife had relapsed. I had forced her to go back to the residential treatment center she had spent some time at for, I think, a month. And she came out at the end of that month and immediately drank, like that evening when she got home. That just really pointed out to me that, that I had no power over this disease, that I had to live in acceptance. I had to come to see how I could live with it or perhaps not live with it. The other part of understanding how this idea has applied in my life is that to see as I look back that I really could not find serenity and peace in my life until I accepted that powerlessness, until I started finding ways to live within my powerlessness. And it did happen, and it happened During a time when my wife was still drinking alcoholically, when I was still living with some of the chaos of alcoholism in my house, I was at a meeting, and after the meeting, I was talking with an Al-Anon friend who said to me, how are you? Before Al-Anon, how are you would have elicited probably either fine or something about how my alcoholic wife was doing. But what I said that night was, I wasn't angry today. And I wasn't in fear today. And I wasn't despairing today. I think maybe that's what serenity feels like. And I found that by finally giving up, by finally accepting that I did not have control over this thing. And by finding ways in the program, tools and principles and the support of a higher power, which is the next idea that I could live in serenity while this storm of alcoholism was still happening around me. Which brings us to the second idea. We can turn our lives over to a power greater than ourselves. And that, of course, aligns with step two, which says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And probably step three, wherein we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. What step two, or what this second idea says to me, what it really said to me at the beginning is, I don't have to do it alone. And 
I went to my first Al-Anon meeting not knowing what I would find there, not knowing if I would like it, not knowing if I would run from the door. But what I found there was acceptance. What I found there, most importantly, what I found there was that I was not alone. That there was a community of people who understood what was going on in my life, who had gone through some form of it themselves, maybe were still living with it, and maybe not. And they had found acceptance and peace and serenity and happiness that I sure as heck did not have at that point. And there was a promise that this community, this program could help me in achieving those same sorts of outcomes. I didn't have to do it alone anymore. And so pretty quickly, I came to realize that the program itself, the literature, the sharings of the people, who were there was a power greater than me because I started to see changes in myself that there was no way that I knew that I could have done them by myself. So this power greater than myself must be working to bring some sanity back into my actions and my attitudes. I think the most striking example of that is in my rage, that I was so deeply filled with rage before I came to the program, that it came out on my children, it came out on my coworkers, and I did not know how to make it stop. I just couldn't do that by myself. After I had been in the program not that long, it dissipated and it went away, and I stopped screaming at my kids, and I stopped yelling at my coworkers, and I stopped feeling so angry all the time. That was a clear indication that a power greater than myself was helping me. As I kept coming and I started hearing your wisdom, I started hearing your ideas about how to live, I started hearing the ways in which you were living differently, and I started to see that I could do those same things myself. Again, not doing it alone, getting help from a power greater than myself. I've heard it said that one of the ways in which we accept step three, maybe while the idea of God is difficult for us, let us say, is that making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of a power greater than myself is a commitment to working the rest of the steps, because that is a way in which the power of the program, which is greater than me, can come into my life and can teach me new way to live, turning my will and my life over to the care of that power. I go back and forth on the idea of God as an entity, or just God as the spirit of the universe, or whatever. And what I've learned it for myself is that it really doesn't matter how I envision or conceive of this power greater than myself, that if I pay attention, if I listen, if I turn off my inner voice for a moment, I will hear guidance. I will get guidance. And sometimes that's that still small voice within an incident that happened around the time I was working step three, steps two and three. My wife had come home from the residential program and she was sober for a number of months. And we decided that we wanted to get new wedding rings because the wedding rings we had got when we got married 
Although they were pretty, they were fragile, and the stones in them kept breaking. They were opals, and we had to keep getting them repaired. And so we said, let's go get new wedding rings and recommit here. So we went shopping, and of course we went to the high-end jeweler first, because that's where you see the beautiful ideas or something. And she found a ring that she loved. And I looked at the price on that, and I just gulped. And I might have even said, wow, I don't think I'm willing to pay that, which was not the thing to have said. And then... Maybe a few days later, I was walking down the sidewalk, and I heard this little voice in my head that said, this is really important to her, and if that's the ring she wants, we should get it. And that was not me. That was not me. But that was me being open to guidance. And when I said, okay, we went to another jeweler, and we found a very similar ring that she liked just as much for half the price. Hmm, interesting. That was one of the things that I wrote down as I was working step three for myself. Another place in which I get guidance is from your voices. When I'm sitting in a meeting and I'm listening, going to Al-Anon has given me great lessons in the skill of listening. I was not very good at that before. I still have issues with it. But when I'm in a meeting, that is what I'm there for. I can say my piece, and then I have to shut up and just listen. And I hear wisdom from you. I hear little bits of myself in you. I hear things that you are doing that I'm like, oh, I could do that. Or things that happened, and I say, oh, that happened to me. What do I need to do about that? I remember one time I was in a meeting, and I think the reading that we were working from in that meeting was one about being only as sick as your secrets. And somebody said something, and I had this flash of, oh, I did this thing in my life. This is something that I need to admit in step five, admit to myself, to my higher power, and to another human being the exact nature of the wrongs, and I will need to make amends for it. Something that had not occurred to me, and I think I had done at least one fourth and fifth step at this point. Maybe even I had done another one. And I had to come back to the person I had done that fifth step with and say, look, here's another thing. Because I heard it from somebody sharing in the room. The third way in which I get guidance from my higher power is those coincidences that happen. Maybe something is on my mind or something is just below my mind. And an occurrence happens that sort of highlights. And I don't have an example of that right now, but I'm sure that this has happened to you. Maybe two or three things in different circumstances, in different situations, maybe with different people happening, and they all kind of point in the same direction. It's something that maybe you need to pay attention to, maybe you need to work on, maybe I need to pay attention to, maybe I need to work on. This happens. This is the guidance of my higher power of God working in my life. The third primary idea says we need to change both our attitude and our actions. So I started thinking about what attitudes did I need to change when I came to the program? Well, I had an attitude that I know what is best for the people that I love in my life. I know what they need to do, even if that's not what they think they need to do. This usually doesn't work out very well for me. Either I am frustrated because they're not doing what I think they need to do, or I try to tell them what they need to do, and they're not happy with that, and they push back on it, and so then I'm not happy. And then we're both not happy, and our relationship has some stress in it. So 
Knowing what is best, I had to let go of that. An attitude that I had for years, probably since childhood to some extent, is that it is my duty to fix other people. It is my duty to help other people when they're in trouble, whether they want it or not. I look back over the medium to long-term relationships that I had in my life, and I think every single one of them was somebody that in some way or another, quotes, needed my help. That is something that I did not recognize until I started looking at myself in this program. It's good to want to help. It's good to want to provide support. But this need to fix, this need to help, really has only ever gotten me in trouble. So needed to let go of that. Following up on those two, that if I can't do that, I'm a failure. Leads to shame, leads to isolation. This is what happened to me before I came into Al-Anon, that I was so ashamed of my wife's alcoholism and my failure to fix it that I could not talk to anybody else about it, that I totally isolated. Being in isolation, of course, just made the feelings harder. The feeling of failure, the anger, the rage, the frustration, the despair, because I had nowhere to let it out. And so it came out, as we say, sideways. These are some of the actions, too, from the attitude. Like, if I need to fix, then I take actions that I think might help fix whatever the situation is. And there are any number of things that I did to try to fix the alcoholism, to get her to stop drinking, or as I thought at the time, maybe she could just drink normally. The one that most sticks in my mind, we were traveling. And when you're traveling, things are already a little off balance, out of kilter. I managed to arrange things one day so that by the end of the day, there was no wine left. That was not actually a good thing to have done, as it turned out. And in the evening, she got pretty desperate to the point where I said, okay, I'll go see what I can find. And we were in a state where to buy wine, you had to go to a special store. And and at least in the town we were in, that store closed at five, which is one of the ways I'd managed to arrange not to have any. I ended up getting some wine coolers, which she really didn't like, but she drank because she needed to. And the next day we were driving. The after effects of not having had enough alcohol in her system, let's just say they weren't pleasant. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. But I learned that getting between an alcoholic and their drink is not a good plan, especially when you're not at home. And the other action that came from my attitude of I have to fix and if I can't, I'm a failure, I am convinced was the raging that I talked about earlier, that I was so full of rage. There were some other attitudes that I also had. These are I'm not allowed to be happy unless other people are happy. And it is selfish to do things I want to do if others don't want to do those things. And that, to me, is a just clear exhibition of codependency, that I need your feelings, your actions, your emotions to prop up my emotions and my actions. The action, of course, that comes out of that is is putting others' needs ahead of mine, not doing things that I want to do because you don't want to do it. And then, of course, feeling angry at you because you didn't want to do it, so I didn't get to do it. I also didn't really know what I wanted, what I needed. I really 
hated those questions, those so-called security questions that I would get when I would sign up for a website that asked me to name my favorite something. What's your favorite friend as a child? I don't know. What's your favorite color? I don't know. That was how I felt because I couldn't name a favorite if I thought you weren't going to approve of it. Oh, yeah. A couple of other attitudes here that lead into this. My well-being is dependent on my loved one's well-being. So, again, I can't be well if you're not well. That doesn't work when your loved one's an alcoholic. It just doesn't because they're not well. And the last one that I listed here and one that is really insidious and harmful is that I need your approval in order to know that I'm a good person. I didn't have an internal understanding, an internal knowing that I was inherently a good person. I needed you to tell me that. And if you were not able to tell me that, then I guess I'm not a good person. And there we go with the shame and the guilt cycle again. That led to a lot of approval seeking, to me doing things that I thought would bring your approval. And sometimes they didn't, and that would backfire on me. I seemed to feel that one way to gain your approval was to show that I knew things about you. I'd been paying attention, right? A couple of times with a particular friend, I said something about this friend that they didn't want other people to know. This friend told me so. And the first time I said, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. And then I did it again. Then that person said, I don't think we can be friends anymore. I don't trust you. That hurt. I was approval-seeking in really a bad way. So actions and attitudes that needed to change. And how did that happen? How did I manage to do that change? It came from working the program. It came from working the steps. It came from doing my fourth step and my fifth step where I started to recognize where I needed to change. And then the sixth and seventh steps where I became willing to change and asked for help in changing. And for me, the sixth and seventh steps are the heart of my recovery. They really are. And then steps eight and nine, where I make a list of people that I had harmed and make amends to them, helps me to clean up the things that I did in the past when I was acting out of those attitudes that didn't help me anymore. The fourth idea is that we keep Al-Anon's gifts by sharing them with others. And as I said at the beginning, the first thing is you were there for me. You shared your program. You shared your understanding with me and welcomed me. And that was so important to me. That was so powerful for me. So one of the reasons that I carry the program forward is because you were there for me. And so I can be there for you when you're new, when you're down, when you're struggling. And when I listen to you, so I know this from my side, when I listen to you, I hear my own experience. How many times have I been in a meeting and somebody has shared their experience and I think, wow, that person is living inside my head. How did that happen? Because, yeah, we do have similar experiences. We do have similar attitudes. If I'm not there to share with you, I won't hear you sharing with me. I need to be there to keep my program strong. By being a sponsor to other people in the program, I have to deepen my own recovery. It gives me an opportunity to re-explore the concepts and the steps and all the tools that we have from the point of view of another person and to try to express my understanding 
and to listen to their understanding and to gain from that. And so by being in that mutual relationship with a sponsee, my program gets stronger and stronger, and hopefully so does theirs. And when I share my own experience, strength, and hope, whether it's here in the podcast or in a meeting or with a person one-on-one, it reminds me of where I came from, and it reminds me of how much progress I have made that inspires me to keep on going. I had not, to my remembrance, heard these four primary ideas in a reading at a meeting. They really resonate with me and my understanding of how Al-Anon has worked in my life. And those are, again, we are powerless over the problem of alcoholism. We can turn our lives over to a power greater than ourselves. We need to change both our attitude and our actions, and we keep Al-Anon's gifts by sharing them with others. I heard a song recently for the first time. It's a newly released song, I guess. It really struck me as capturing the way that I was in my codependency. The song is All Falls Down by Alan Walker, Noah Cyrus, and Digital Farm Animals. A little bit of lyrics here. You're the drug that I'm addicted to, and I want you so bad. Guess I'm stuck with you, and that's that. Because when it all falls down, then whatever, when it don't work out for the better, if it just ain't right and it's time to say goodbye, when it all falls down, when it all falls down, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. You're the drug that I'm addicted to, and I want you so bad, but I'll be fine. It starts out with that codependency, you're the drug I'm addicted to, but then recognize that in recovery, even if we don't get that drug, we'll be fine. I will be fine. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery recently? At the Michigan Area Assembly, the topic of the workshops was about service. Part of what we talked about was the ways in which we do service, the ways in which we can actually be a service sponsor that are not obvious, that just encouraging somebody else to step up for service, encouraging somebody to lead a meeting, that is a form of service sponsorship because it's bringing somebody into doing their 12-step work of carrying the message and supporting the, the program that has given so many of us this gift of recovery. That was an interesting new perspective that I hadn't really thought of before. I thought, oh, service sponsor, wow, that's somebody who really knows what's going on and uh, really understands all the service structure and everything. No, apparently not. The other thing that I wanted to talk about in my life in recovery, in a recent meeting, one of the members suggested the topic of the slogan, first things first. This person shared that she had been having this experience recently of life gets in the way of the things that are really important to do. And that what that really means is that she was not putting first things first, that she was not prioritizing the things that were important and was instead letting all the little random things that happen during the day, during the week, keep her from doing the important stuff. And I thought, oh, isn't that how it's been with the podcast? 
oh, I'll work on the podcast tonight. Well, you know, a bunch of stuff happened today, and I'm really tired, and I'll do it tomorrow. And I realized that life was getting in the way, and that I was not putting first things first with respect to this podcast. So here I am. I'm going to get this episode out tonight. I may have to stay up a little late to do it, but I am prioritizing it. I want to thank you all for sticking with me and for for getting worried when I appear to have gone silent. I'm fine. I was letting life get in the way. I'm going to try to do a little better and not have it be so long until there's another episode. I would like to actually ask you to contribute. We're in November now. November is when the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday falls. I typically do a gratitude episode around that holiday. So I'm reaching out to you. If you would like to send me a short share about something that you are grateful for today. You can send an email or record a voice memo and email it to feedback at the recovery dot show. Or you can call our voicemail at 734-707-8795. There's also a voicemail button on the website where you can join the conversation directly from your computer without having to make a phone call. And we'd love to hear from you. Please share your experience, strength, and hope, your questions about today's topic of the four primary ideas or any of our upcoming topics, including gratitude. What are you grateful for right now? I'm trying to get this episode out, and one of the things that blocks me from doing that is trying to make it perfect. I'm not going to have a feedback section today. We will return to that in a future episode. Another new song that I heard recently that spoke a little bit of program to me. It's called These Are the Good Old Days. It's by Courtney Marie Andrews, and you can listen to it on the website at therecovery.show slash 389. The chorus says, these are the good old days. Don't let time slip away. These are the good old days. Don't let time slip away. What I got from this is don't wait for everything to be right. Enjoy the time we have. Find gratitude for the things that I have now because these are the good old days. One of the verses speaks to not being that way. Says people like me think feelings are facts. Falling in love gives us a heart attack. One foot in the future, one in the past. Want to know for sure if it's going to last. I've been there, looking backwards, looking forwards, and missing what's happening right now. Thank you for listening. Please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.